how do you run a machine that's super complicated, that is like versatile and, and, um, and so nuanced, and you're trying to run this machine and you don't have the tools to run it. Which means that if you're driving a car, imagine driving a car. It's not that complicated a car, right? I mean, you get inside, you got to, you know, drive. But somehow, I remember the first time when I was driving, I'm sure everyone's got this kind of experience, but uh, I learned to drive on a manual car, much more complicated. So you're sitting down and you have, uh, you're driving, and then there's this thing called a, um, yeah, that. <laughs> so on your foot down, there's a clutch. You know what a clutch is? You're supposed to drive with two feet. The left foot goes, well, we drive on the left side. So the left foot goes on the clutch, the right foot goes on the accelerator, and then there's the, um, the brakes. I mean, the brakes in the middle, and then there's the, uh, the gears. So automatic cars have the gears going automatically. So anyway, I'm getting into the car, and um, my parents' driveway was, it's like, it's an uphill. And like, you're, there's a driveway, and you're in the parking place, and you're going to go out, and then like, you're going to go up. So up and turn around to get out of the gate. So it's like a right angle to get out. And there's quite a lot of space, you know. Once you're used to doing it, it takes about two seconds and you're out. But when you're not used to doing it, I'm sitting in the car and I'm like, okay, you're supposed to put clutch up and then the accelerator goes down, but not too much down because then you go forward. So then you put the, you got to remember to clutch up, put the into reverse and then you go into reverse and then you go and you got to also and turn the steering wheel all the time. It's a lot to do. So anyway, I get in, figure out slowly, slowly, and I pull the, you know, the accelerator like this, the clutch goes down, the accelerator goes up, and then slowly move them up, put into reverse, everything's fine. I'm turning around, turn the steering wheel, turn around, getting out, whatever. And then I'm like, okay, and you've got to go slowly, slowly, slowly. And after we get to the top, I forgot to do one thing, which is turn the steering wheel back, so you should go straight out of the, the, the driveway rather than into the gate. And... Um, the car's going, getting like scrunched up over there. I'm hearing my father screaming on the side, really mad. And, uh, and I don't know what to do. Because I'm like, and I keep on going back into the gate. It was my first disastrous accident. Um, it's what you get when you are, you know, not yet comfortable driving in the car. So why do you think that driving a human machine is any different. It's just, we're told, okay, drive, go, go, live life. You learn about this, learn about that, whatever, you know, and you watch a little clip, and then, like someone's giving you a bit of an insight into how, you, uh, how you're supposed to think, and there's a good idea, and you, okay, let's try that, and then the next day, try that, try that. It's a whole system. You can't, imagine getting into a car and trying to drive and not knowing the first thing about how cars drive, and it's so simple, you wouldn't be able to drive, let alone work a more complex machine. And so there's this machine called a human you. And you're not crazy, you're just human. But if we analyze what happens in a human being, we'll see that we can find ourselves essentially between two opposite extremes. Which means there's doing mode and there's 
Vacation mode. Accelerator and brakes. Those are two sides. And then we find ourselves somewhere in the middle of that. So let's say in life, right, everything's fine. Some days everything's fine. You're good, comfortable. But then there comes a time when you go to do something. So let's take what's probably on people's minds. And that is at this point in your life, you're like, all right, at some point we're going to get married. So that's uncomfortable. Right? You start thinking about all the things that could go wrong, God forbid. And um, then you might say, forget it, I'm out. Then you start thinking, on the other hand, about all the things that, the dreams that could happen if you get it right. And it's like, wow, that would be amazing. So now you're hovering somewhere between the insecurity and the dream. And we've got to find a way between them. And then you say, okay, cool. Let's go out and find a shidduch. Now, God help everyone that day one, the first person that's discussed and the first person you meet, that's the guy. And it's awesome and unbelievable for him and for you. And it's just like marvelous and magical and wow. Sometimes Hashem does that. May He do it for everyone. But let's take, regardless, even if that happens for you, you're still going to have other issues. So let's take this just as an example of what could come about, right? So, you get into the driver's seat, right? Driver's seat. Let's take an extreme example now. Let's tell, take someone who's already 33 years old and tough, hasn't found her bashert yet. So what does she do? Can you imagine that she might get into two different modes of operating? her car, how to drive. Option one, on the one extreme, is to say, okay, now at this point, I'm dedicating my entire life. I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm just going to spend my whole day, every day, getting a list. I'm gonna get every single name that's out there, every single name of person that exists. I'm gonna call people up, find out about them. I'm gonna start making offers to everyone. I'm going to just push my name to everyone. I'm going to talk to every single Shadchan, right? Can you see that mode? That's called push. Totally, totally pushing. It's called complete attachment to the outcome. Totally, totally attached and engrossed. What do you think could happen if you do that? You totally depend on that. Very good. You're totally dependent on other things, other people, on the whole world. That's true. The world is big, so you depend on a lot of people, so you're hoping that, you know, that someone and something's going to work out. The trouble is that, what if it doesn't? What do you say? Best desperate. Desperate. And that's not so good. Yep. What do you think happens in that zone? Yep. Or fall into anxiety keep hunting, you become needy. Wherever you go, it's like, oh, should we talk about a shidduch now? <laughs> There's no other conversations you know how to have. Like you become, you know, impossible to talk to. Powerless. Like you are taught, your, your well-being is completely and utterly hinged on the outcome. 
So you sabotage your whole being. So then one day, after a long time of trying, you give up. It's not working. Now you swing all the way to the other side. Now what do you do? That's it. I don't care. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to be an old, old spinster. I'm going to be all by myself my whole life and it's fine. It's perfect. And then you decide, you know, getting my degree. I'm becoming a, a surgeon and I'm going to, you know, put myself through all this and whatever. And sometimes maybe I'm going the total opposite direction. You know, it's true, I went through the whole system, but that's it, I'm done. And I'm going to live a life, you know, in the Upper East Side in Manhattan, as if I'm not religious at all, and be happy, and just chill with friends and go out and with other, you know, other girls, and it's great and wonderful, I'm done. I'm powerless, I don't care. And then the Shadchan calls, you have a good idea for you? No, I'm done. I don't care. Right? What happens in that space? What? Yeah. No, on the, on the contrary, I'm not dependent on anyone. No, I don't care what anyone thinks. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So would you see how feelings like hopelessness and uh, demotivation and shutting down and worthlessness and giving excuses all happen in that space. So here's the question. It's very nice, right? When you see it in someone else, it's very easy to understand. Oh, sure, not a good idea. But how do you, how do you look for shidduch in a healthy way and be normal? And understand that in life it could potentially take time. And in anything else you're gonna do in life, because that's just how life is, right? Some points in your life you can just stay and do nothing. You think you could stay and do nothing. It's like, you know, you're in the middle of the year, and so you're just not thinking about anything. But very quickly, more and more and more challenges in life come your way. And the question we want to deal with now is: how do you take this human machine and be a happy, healthy excited, dynamic person, maintain your youthfulness, even if you go into harsh, strange, difficult territories, and you go inside there without losing your mind. Any suggestions what we should do? What's the best approach? The healthiest way. Hmm. One sec. Trust Hashem means what? What? Cemented in and Hashem is going to help you, whatever. Isn't that the same as um, sitting at home doing nothing? <coughs> I'm trusting Hashem. So I don't need to do anything. I'm just going to trust Hashem. Good luck with that. Go, go try, trust Hashem. Just sit at home and do nothing and see what happens. I'm going to guarantee you what's going to happen. Yes, so what are you saying? Right. But how do you develop that identity that won't be changed? Correct. And still go do things. You're going to have a challenging time doing things. Whenever you take on a new project, right? 
It's scary. It's worrisome. It's difficult. Yaakov says, right, in our parasha, what does he say? He says, Vayira Yaakov Mo'id, He's going out to greet Esav. So he says, the devil if I do, the devil if I don't. Meaning, he was afraid and distressed. From what? Yareg and Yehoreg. He didn't want to get killed, but he didn't want to kill either. So what's the solution? What? Stay at home means get killed. There is no stay at home. If you put your car into neutral and your car is on an incline, on a hill going up or down, try going to neutral and see what happens. There is no neutral. Neutral is if you have a flat ground. Neutral is some little spaces in life you can think you're in a neutral place where you wake up in the morning and okay, yeah, I'm neutral. But we humans, we are on a pendulum. Sometimes this way and sometimes that way. And it's a whole life like that. Unless we learn how to stay the, stay the course, we're going to have all these negative feelings. So how do you stay the course? Essentially, how do you have bitachin, total trust in Hashem, and total action at the same time? Meaning we know the answer. The question is how to do it. How do you actually trust Hashem and actually not stop yourself from doing things at the same time? So you're calling up Shidduchim, you're doing, you're trying to do whatever you possibly can, but you have total trust in Hashem. That's the question. You trust in them when they confirm that they did that they're gonna they did something they said they said they would do. Yeah. Okay. Not when the, like I say that as them to do something, they didn't confirm. If that. they don't do it, it doesn't help. No, I mean not that, but if let's like say if I ask them to do something, <coughs> then if I can if then if they don't confirm, I'm not trusting them to do it because I don't I don't have Right, so you're saying about Hashem, the same thing? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like for us that if Hashem doesn't do it yet, how am I supposed to keep trusting him? Right. Right. Does trust work, basically? Is Bitochen something that actually works? And if it works, when do you see the results? Right. Exactly. So, let's take a look at um, an interesting saga that actually is timely because it takes place in our parasha. And um, we'll take a look at the Torah of the week. We'll study it afterwards. I'm going to give you a synopsis of the whole parasha. It's quite incredible, actually, what goes on there. But what happens is, um, how do you undo? What? The bottom line? There we go. Amazing. Bring it all back. Um, it would be nicer to go do it in tidbits anyway, but it's fine. What? I think it will take too long. Get every squiggle out of here. Forget it. Let's just leave it at this. Okay, so 
So um, there's a meeting in the in, 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 uh, in Torah between two brothers, Yaakov and Esau, right? And if you want to understand what's going on there, well, Yaakov, Yaakov was, 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 uh, Yaakov was a good man. He was um, learning Torah. He was in a space with God, fully, totally engrossed. Amazing space to be in where Yaakov was. And he was 63 years. And then his mother sent him away to go work. And what did he go do? He, he essentially um, like enveloped himself in more Torah. Like more than he had ever done before. Because he was shocked he told him to go work. So for 14 more years, he went and he was just engrossed. Didn't sleep. Totally involved in Torah. And then he's forced to go out into the open and, um, and work. Because he needed to get married. He needed to find a shidduch. And he needed to make money. And so he went out into the world. So Jacob goes out. So um, he comes back. And now he's meeting. He went away to get away from Esau. And now he's going to meet Esau. So in the meeting between Esau and Yaakov, what does Yaakov do? He sends angels. Rashi says, Malachim Mamsh. He sent angels to Esau. Now, in the simple story, why did he send angels? Because he was worried they'd be killed. In the deeper story, what did he send angels for? Because he's trying to connect his own spiritual powers through sending signals, which are angels, to Esau. He wants to blend them both together. And it's fascinating because it seems like Yitzchak did the same with Esau 36, 36 years before. What did he do? Yitzchak wanted to give a bracha to Esau. Clearly, Esau has a certain power. And Rivka didn't tell Yitzchak, oh, don't do it. He's not a good child. Like Sarah told Avram. What she said was, Yaakov, go put on the clothing of Esau and then get the bracha to him. Right? So somehow, Yaakov needs to, to ingest into himself, download the powers of Esau into himself. And so just like then, when he put on the clothing of Esau, so too now, he's sending angels to Esau. What's this about Esau? What is the power of Esau that's so compelling to Yaakov? Where was Esau buried? His head is buried in Mara Samachpelah. In other words, the concept, the head of Esau was a very holy, powerful concept. Except that Esau couldn't bring it down and couldn't, couldn't actually live a life based on what his head told him. And what Yaakov's going to do is draw the head of Esau, the power of Esau, into his own life now. Okay? So here's how he does it. What's the power of Esau? Well, what's Yaakov and what's Esau? First, what's Yaakov? What's Yaakov? Yaakov is the third one of the Avois. So there's Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov. Avraham, what did he have? Yishmoel. What did Yitzchak have? And Esau. What did Yaakov have? Twelve. Twelve kids who had a lot of issues. Never underestimate their issues. Big time issues. They sold each other. 
talk about sibling rivalry. Right. It was pretty bad. And yet, and yet, he produces a full house of tzaddikim in the worst possible circumstances. Correct. Good point. So, um, yeah. So it seems like Yaakov is incredible. So Avram is kindness. Yitzchak is severity. Kind of kindness and you can't have severity because you're going to produce byproducts that are not good. What do you want to do? Middle of the road. What would it be like to have middle of the road for you in your life? What does middle of the road look like? So let's say you're looking for a shiddah. What is middle of the road? What's the best way to look? Right? Think about it. To be totally attached to the outcome, that's insane. To be totally detached is also insane. So what should you do? Have a shot. Have a shot. Good luck with that. Compartmentalize. Compartmentalize means what? Right. Make sure you have a job while you're looking for a shit. So when you're Basically. involved, you're having you that every no or every yes is part of Hashem's plan. Not, right. Not just people. Yep. So you're getting inside there and there's these feelings that are going to go in the sugar inside your head. They're going to try to. That's for sure. So you want to be, you want to maintain your normalcy in the face of all this and you're saying, I'm going to go in the middle of the road. What does that mean? It means I'm going to get a job. I'm going to do things that are normal. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to go on any trips I want to do. I'm going to do my thing. At the same time, whenever shit comes about, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try. I'm going to whatever. Yeah. And it's good. You know what happens when you try in the middle of the road? It's great. But if you're not... There was a prime minister in England who was prime minister for... She was there for like 12 years, I think. And she had a good line she once said. She said... If you walk in the middle of the road, you get hit from both sides. In other words, take a position. Don't be like middle, yeah, this, but that, but that. You have no position, you have no, no power in what you do. So, you, middle of the road is very nice if it works for you. Somehow, when you go in the middle of the road, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Because, when you're actually going out in the middle of that, it's like you can't think of anything else. And then when, you, when someone's not calling you, it's like, oh man. And then you decide to detach, attach, up, down, up, down. We, need, we want to know how to control the machine. Imagine driving a car and, and you're trying to be in the middle and you keep on getting hit on all sides. So you swerve this way, swerve that way, a bit of this, a bit of that. How do you stay middle ground? Of course, middle ground is the best place to be. How do you stay in that lane and not swerve to a different lane? Fascinating how cars on a highway drive and everyone stays in their lane. I always wondered about that. How come no Michelin says, I want to just swerve out of my lane? You hope that they don't. Right. But that's what it means to go to stay in your lane. So Yaakov looks to Esau. Because Yaakov comes from Am Segula. What does Am Segula mean? Translate. Right? A treasured nation. Hashem's precious treasure. That's the Segula. But a Segula is also this. 
What's that? Segel. Why we are people of Segel? Because we have Avram on the right, Yitzhak on the left, and Yaakov in the middle. That's why. We know how to have, how to be aligned, right? But to the right, but to the left, middle ground, we're good. We know how to drive correctly. The problem is that Yaakov feels like he's not really driving anywhere. It's not so real. Have you ever spoken to an adult? Adults, when, when they give love, they never give full love. They give a bit of love. Yeah, but maybe not. If you have a teenager who needs help, right, and is not doing too well, one of the best things you can get a teenager, you know what you buy them? A puppy. A little doggy. You know why? Because puppies are just happy. If they're sad, something went wrong. Otherwise, they're happy. And so a teenager takes care of a puppy and makes them feel good. The alternative of having puppies is having new babies. A new baby does the same thing. When you see a baby, it's like your face lights. You walk home and you see the little, little baby. And the baby just looks at you and just like... You just, a, a baby can make anyone who's in a sad mood feel good. You can't feel sad when you're around the baby. It's very difficult. Right? What? Baby therapy. Babies are what? Baby therapy. Yes. It's amazing. But when an adult sits next to you, they're never really there. They're just like, they're not really happy and they're not really sad. They're not really nothing. Yeah? Drive in the middle? Yeah. Why? I'm saying like, like it sounds like it's impossible because our natural tendency is to go from one extreme to another. Right. So let's learn how to drive in the middle of the road. Okay? Watch this. Yaakov looks at Esau. Now Esau, a, a lunatic. Esau is Meshuggah. Esau is known as the world of... Toyu. What's the world of Toyu? Chaos. Everything is chaotic. Which is a good thing. Because chesed is chesed, gvura is gvura, it's amazing. Children live in that world of Toyu. It's really a world of chaos. That's why it's very nice when a child's excited. Ever see a child when they get upset? Kids throwing a temper tantrum. Why? Because well, a kid's tired. You put the kid in the car and the kid could be screaming for an hour and a half in the car, non-stop. So you said we set up the fail. What? Asa had no chance. We set up the fail. Asa was set up for, um, with tremendous, tremendous potential. Tremendous potential. And he could have used it. And actually, when Yitzchak benches Asa, what he was doing was attempting to bring out the powers of Asa. It's a different conversation, right? But when you are, some kids are born and they're like sweetie pies, they're academic, they're goody goodies, they give you nachas, everything's amazing and wonderful. And some kids, in every family you have it, they're just like, <laughs> yeah, out for lunch. 
and they're not. They just have a different type of um, approach to living. And all you need to do is look at the child and say, this kid is unbelievable and awesome and incredible. And you'll see, they'll, be, they'll, be, they'll live up to that. Actually, Yitzchak tried to do that with Esau. That's why he wanted to give him a brother. The trouble was that you need Esau to play ball. Esau didn't play ball. So they actually tried very hard to bring him on. And the potential of Esau set up, if you say Esau set up for disaster, look what happened. Yaakov only got the bracha when he looked like Esau. Right. So Yaakov took away that chance. Correct. Esau gave away the chance when he came in and sold the birthright. He basically didn't want it. He wasn't interested. So I can't help you with that, right? When you look at, I'm a child who's off, and then you say, I'm off, I'm going off, that's a problem. You do have free choice, regardless. Right? Didn't buy it off him. He Ace of sold it from his free choice. You say bought it off. It was Ace of choice. He says, You have a power. Are you going to do it? No, then I'll do it. Right? The power, okay, it's a really different conversation, and we could have it, but, um, but not right now. But Yaakov essentially took the power of Ace of him. which means, um, well, whatever, if you want, I'll send you a share on it afterwards. You can listen to the whole thing on that. Let's stay put with this, otherwise we won't get through it. So, Esav is the world of Toyo. Esav is a chaotic world. What does it mean to be in the world of chaos? It means there's, a, there's, an, there's an element of, of beauty in it. Because it means that whatever you are, you are. With, with people, with adults, you never get what you actually see. With an Aesop type of person, you're getting exactly what it is, and it's beautiful. You're getting chesed, you're getting gvura, clear, clear cut, amazing. So here's the thing. Yaakov realizes, let's say in our example, you want a shidduch, give it all you got. Dedicate yourself, call the shadchan, another shadchan, don't sit at home and do nothing. You know what else you're going to do for Shidduch? What? Yeah, sit at home and do nothing. Don't care about what happens. Be totally in Hashem's hands. That's the other side of it. Now, how do you do both? That's the question. What? Send a shliach to the date? No. At some point, you have to actually go out, you know, decide yourself. At some point, you're going to have to suffer the consequences or whatever it is. The world of Toyu, the world of Toyu is either this way or that way. So Yaakov notices that Esau is not doing the work himself because Esau is coming out to meet him with 400 men. Right? Yaakov sends the angels, they come back and say, come with 400 men. 400 men, where's the number 400 in the Toyu? Elsewhere. Just recently, Ephraim. Avram sold, Avram paid Ephraim for the field, which was Morris and Machpela, 400 shekel Kesef, right? Now, why is Kesef called Kesef? What's the connection between Kesef and money? You know what it is? What does Kesef mean? Silver, what else does Kesef mean? What? Katef. Well, the top. So, so, 
What's kisufin? Nichsoif nichsafti. What? Passion. Yearning. Right? Kisufin is yearning. Why is money called yearning? It's very simple why, right? It was once in Shlichas in, uh, years ago in, in the middle of Africa, middle of nowhere. And we pop into a place. It was the darkest of Africa. It must have been like an hour outside of Nairobi, Kenya. And um, we just took a guess that, you know, that most Jews, um, well, most Africans are not Jewish. And likely, more likely, not necessarily, but more likely, um, the Jews are going to be a white. And not all whites are Jewish, but all, not all Jews are white, well, whatever. But you get the idea. So anyway, we come into this place and we see a guy and we found out and we walked into the store because we saw him and uh, not only was he Jewish, but he actually spoke Hebrew. And it was the most God-forsaken place to live in. We just couldn't believe, what are you doing here? Now he was just as shocked to see two you know, religious guys walking up his steps. So it was like an amazing moment. We were shocked, he was shocked, everyone was shocked. So um, yeah, we come up there and he says to us, he says, what are you guys doing here? We said, we came to find you. He says, um, you want to know what I'm doing here? I'm here for three reasons. Shalos Sibot. What are they? He says, and he was such a passionate person. He says, I'm here because of A, Kesef, B, Kesef, C, Kesef. <laughs> and then I learned what Kesef was. Was he really? Yes. <laughs> he wanted the Kesef. Kesef is called Kisufin. So what does Avram give Ephraim? He gave him the power of Kesef, of Kisufin, of pleasures, of excitement. What happens since then is that there's 400 types, never mind the number 400, but there's 400, many, 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 many different types of pleasures, and where are they? They are embedded in our physical world all over. You know what they try to do? They try entice you. They're enticing you to come towards them all the time. They're saying, come to me. Come, 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 come. Everywhere you go. And you can't help it. You live in this world. And because you live in a social media world, they're calling you everywhere, all the time, every moment of your life. They're beckoning you to come towards them. And you know what they're called? Suck. What's a sack? A sack is something you wear that's very uncomfortable and doesn't actually fit you. What's the gematria of sack? 400. That's the 400 men of Asav. Who are the 400 powers of Asav? They are the sack that you put on. It's when you dress yourself in Asav clothing. A Jew will never be happy unless he has Avishta Elokus to dress him. Everything else you dress in will feel like uncomfortable sack but you'll be dressed in it and you'll be enveloped in it and that's the problem if we don't dress ourselves in elokus in godliness as we walk into the world we will feel uncomfortable wherever we go so if I'm trying to find the shidduch I'm dressing myself in the shidduch now I need the shidduch that's a sack because I need you I'm needy then I decide to pull back and be hopeless what do I have now opposite, but also a sad. Hopelessness and depression and anxiety. What? 
A sack is pitachta saki v'tazreini simcha. You say every morning. If I open up my sack, I, I am put on simcha. I become happy. It wasn't in the story between Yaakov and Esau? No, the sack is the 400 men. 300 and 100. Shin, kof, see that? 400, that's what it is. So if you can get rid of the sack, which is the 400 men, and get rid of all these powers, what do you find? You'll find a space of you and God. Essentially, here's what it means. I want to download Hashem's power into me so that I can walk right into the tension of looking for a shidduch and be completely removed from it simultaneously. That's called feeling Hashem's power in your life. So what does Yaakov do? He divides his camp into two. Why two? Because he's used to his whole life walking in three. He's a segel, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And now he divides into two because that's what Toyu does. Toyu is either or. There's no middle ground. So Yaakov says the way to find middle ground is by doing either or. You don't go for the middle. You go for that side and you go for that side. And if you pull yourself both ways, you'll get into the middle. Let's see how that works out. Yaakov says, I have no choice but to do the avoid of the work of Esau. Here's how we do it. What we do is, when we want to do something, this is how the machine works. When you want to do something, you want to find the shidduch. What do you do? There's two parts to any approach, to anything you want to find. Part one is, you turn to Hashem and you say, Almighty God, I want to get married. I want to get this from you. I'm asking you, Hashem, to download the ability to get married, married from you. Who are you talking to? Hashem. Only Hashem. Hashem, what do I need to do? The answer is nothing. I'm totally in your hands. You see how I'm completely one-sided. That's like what you call hopeless. I don't need to do anything. I'm giving up. Not giving up, giving over. It's the realization that I don't need to do anything. I'm just asking Hashem. Hashem is going to help me. I'm bringing Elokus down to me. Now comes the key. I'm not staying on this side and saying, okay, I'm doing nothing and that's it. It's hopeless. Not, not involved. Now I said, okay, Hashem, I know that you want me to go do Ishtadlus. So let me go do Ishtadlus. Now I'm going to go away from this side over to the other side. What am I doing now? Asking my parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, whoever's involved to go find the Shidduch. I'm ready. Go do whatever the Ishtadlus is at that moment. I'm going to do it now. So there's the moment of doing, I do as if I dependent on my doing. You see how now I'm totally engrossed in doing. And then comes the key. After you do, you know what your brain tells you? Yeah. What your brain tells you is, let's second guess. Let's second guess. Let's think this over. That's where the problem comes about. Because what you're doing is you're saying, okay, so I'm doing it and I'm calling, but maybe I should call someone else, maybe I didn't do enough, or what if, or this moment of you're dreaming about 
that beautiful, wonderful shidduch you're going to get in the home and everything's going to be so amazing and awesome and unbelievable and you don't realize that dreaming is the problem. Because that's what's getting you to be in the blocked space. Yes? How do you know what? It's very simple. When you're doing a shtadlus, the question is, is there anything more to be done that I need to do? Maybe you have to call Maybe what? Maybe, maybe you should call Maybe you should, so go. So maybe not. Like, no, no, one second. If you have, is it normal right now to call another shadchan? Let's say you call the shadchan and they gave you a name and you're looking into it. So maybe I should call another shadchan. Is it normal? Ask, him, ask someone who's not biased. Is it normal to call someone else now or not? Right? Does it make sense? Maybe it does. Sometimes it does. Right? Whatever's normal to do is what you do. This is where the key comes in. Right? When a farmer puts the seed in the ground, what does he do? He puts the seed in the ground and he walks away. Exactly. Exactly. It means I'm going to do my thing and then I walk away. That walk away is the key. It's what your brain does after you did the hishtadlus. That's the problem. Yes. The what? The part. Yeah. What do you mean the action part? Like somebody can't bring themselves to actually go and do it. There's always something, right? It's a, it, it, look, sometimes you don't know what to do, right? If you don't know what to do and, you, and there's nothing to do, then do nothing. But then an idea falls into your head and you say, I can go talk to that person. I can mention like this. So you go do that, right? What you can't bring yourself to Because what? Fear, anything. Okay, so then we need to work through, go back to, refer to step one, how to get through your fears. What I'm talking about over here is this is an approach of how to align yourself that way, that way, center. What is center? It's Fully doing, fully not doing, go back to center. Do you see the point? It means that I'm not, I'm doing every ounce of ishtadlus that needs to be done. But I'm not second guessing anything. I'm not thinking about it. I don't care. Right? It is whatever it is. So after I do, I go into the hopeless space. Don't go into the hopeless space before you did anything. You follow? There's complete attachment. I'm going to do. Then there's complete detachment together. And then comes in the middle of them, the middle, beautiful middle ground, which is called, I do my shtadlus and I bring it back to Hashem. Right? Because here's the story. When you go look for a shadchan, right? I'll tell you how shidduchim work. Some people, God willing, find it right away on day one. Hashem help everyone. Very often, what happens is, you find the shidduch, it never comes from whatever you were looking for. Wherever you're looking, that's where it's not going to come from. It's coming from over there. But it will never come unless you're looking. Do you see the point? Hashem wants you to look and to look and do your ishtadlus. But to realize that He's going to do it. So when you're calling a shadchan, what you're doing is, 
you're not calling the Shadchan. You're calling up, it's a dial-up to the Lord. Hashem, I'm talking to you. I know you want me to do Ishtadlus. Say so you want me to call the Shadchan. Okay, I'm calling the Shadchan. When it happens, it happens in a roundabout way. Your Das couldn't do it. That's why you say, I want to do something. Hashem, I want to do it. After you do it, you pull back. And you say, it's not happening. Because it isn't. It isn't happening the way you thought it would happen. It's going to happen a different way. Hashem's way. And that's the Avoida over here. What Yaakov is doing is putting himself into the modality of Esav. He's saying, me, Yaakov, I go middle ground. But I want to do the Esav thing. Which is, I want to go direct. Fully in, fully out. And that produces a Yaakov in the middle. Abu trusts Hashem and still does. does. Thank you. I have a question. In the mind bar.